Ave Maria Radio and Renewal Ministries presents Fire on the Earth, a compelling look at the new evangelization through inspiring teachings, interviews, and testimonies. Welcome, friends. This is Peter Herbeck, your host. I'm going to wrap up our reflection this week. We've been looking at just the beginning of St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, that a panoramic view of God's plan of salvation and how we're plugged into it, uh, really what it is and what it's done. And many of the letters that are in the New Testament begin with, you know, first a salutation, a, you know, a greeting from the writer, whether it's Paul or Peter or John. But then it goes into, in, in many cases, the, the story and the plan of salvation. What has God done? What is at the heart of it? What does it mean for me? And in it, we see the promises of God for our lives. And a secret to moving into a deeper, more vibrant Christian life, you know, that can, can fulfill what, you know, we're getting exhorted to in the scripture in times like, you know, rejoice always, pray constantly, things like that, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We can say, well, you, yeah, I have to decide to do those things. I may not feel it, which is okay, by the way. Um, you know, to this, these are commands to rejoice and to give thanks. You don't have to feel it. And just joy isn't just kind of riding high on a feeling. It's a much deeper sense of contentment and fulfillment and security. It's kind of hard to describe it, but this is the, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that comes to us. And if we take in the promises of God and we see ourselves in the story of God, the cosmic plan that's unfolding, it's not fake. It's not just a dream. It's real. And we know it's real because Christ has risen from the dead. And the Holy Spirit has given us faith conviction to say yes to it and to understand it. That We need the help of the Holy Spirit to teach us, take us to these deeper levels, these deeper spiritual things. When we take that journey, and you can think about that, from, but what often happens instead of really taking that journey and pursuing, like St. Francis I read yesterday says, let's, let's, Let's pursue you know, the promises of God confidently. Well, if we don't know what the promises really are, other than that we can go to heaven when we die, but the whole picture of what he's doing, if we're not growing in that in the awareness of those promises, we're not going to live a vibrant Christian life. We're, we can get stuck in a pattern that's, a, that's mainly about, okay, between here and the grave, I have to resist sin, which is true. But if that's all you do, you're gonna you're gonna grow tired of it. You're gonna be bored of it. You're gonna look for other things to console you. You have to understand yourself and how God made you and how God made us. Right? That we, He's given us deep longings. Long, longing. One of them is the longing to be fascinated. The longing to be known. You know, longing to be loved. The longing to just there's a whole bunch of them that, that are there if you think about it. And God's plan and purpose for us is good news, not only because it rescues us from disaster, but it leads us into the fulfillment of our lives, the purpose for which we were made, and the full satisfaction. Think about think about how much, you know, drugs are kind of becoming more popular. I mean, they're always around, you know, I, I realize that, but I'm just thinking I live in a college town and, and you know, there's weed shops everywhere and um, more and more people are using it for, you know, various reasons, some for medicinal reasons, but I think a lot of people just to get high and just escape and to feel good. We do that with alcohol and, and we do that with entertainment. 
promiscuous sex, people pursue for that very thing, for uh, that kind of thing that they want to feel differently. But nothing on this earth fully satisfies. You just got to keep buying more and you got to keep doing more. And where it normally leads is to a kind of addiction or you're counting, you're leaning, you are thinking about it this way, but you're leaning into something that that you're counting on to make you happy and to help you be fulfilled, to help you feel alive or something. These things can become idols. And of course, it's never going to do for us. And if we keep pursuing those things and we don't put God first and allow these things to leave our lives, what we're going to end up being in a place where we never discover who we are and we choose something that ultimately is a destiny we don't, we don't want to have. But we never walk this journey that the saints walked. And that Francis, I was reading yesterday, was talking about the, the amazing reality of God's plan, the shortness of this life, but eternity, you know, the glory of eternity, what's there. And, and when you begin to taste it here, like the scripture says, taste and see how good the Lord is. You can ask yourself, have I ever, can I honestly say that I've tasted at some point in my life the goodness of the Lord in a way that I really felt it in my heart? That's part of the normal Christian life. This is what the Holy Spirit brings to us when he speaks to our spirit and he awakens in us a capacity to know the Father's love, which is ultimately is this is the ultimate satisfying reality. We may not see it that way, but that's actually that is it. And our Lord and our Lady and the saints and the communion of saints and the angels and the life of God and the new creation and God's plan. He wants us to be able to taste it now. And that's where, friends, a vital, joyful, courageous life in Christ emerges from. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. And I am in my Father's story. And it's unfolding in me right now. And I can go as far as I want to go, you might say, in this life. When you look at the lives of the saints and how far they entered the mystery of God's plan and purpose that's unfolding, it's astounding. I feel like I'm just beginning. But meditating on these realities, receiving the promises inherent in them, is what awakens the soul and brings so much hope and so much joy and so much confidence it motivates us to love and helps us overcome the dis- constant pressure to give into discouragement and, you know, compromise and seeking alternatives and things like that. So we're in the, we've been looking at Ephesians chapter one, really the first half of the chapter, the panoramic view of God's beautiful plan of salvation. We left off yesterday in the second last verse, which was this, in him you also who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in him, you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Sealed. Let's see what the commentator says about that. In the ancient world, seals were marks of ownership and protection. Believers are divinely sealed by the Spirit. The church fathers employed this language to describe the indelible mark impressed upon the soul in baptism, confirmation, and in holy orders. So we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Which is a guarantee, the verse goes on, he says, okay, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance 
the guarantee. Here's another comment. An expression derived from a Hebrew term meaning pledge or down payment. The spirit received in baptism is thus a first installment of the fullness of God's life and blessing we hope to possess in heaven. So we have a down payment of heaven already. I'll read the whole verse again. Starting with 13. In him, you also who have heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news about your salvation, and you've believed in him. That's a really key thing. You believe in the story he's telling about you. You believe in what he's done for you. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Why is it called the promised Holy Spirit? Because the Father promised, right? The Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, God was going to pour parts, God's going to pour out his Holy Spirit. He's going to give you a new heart. He's going to put a new spirit in you. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and places like that. And Jesus promised the coming of, he's the final prophet, right? He's the one who promised the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit's upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to captives, to obtain sight for the blind, to announce the year of the Lord's favor, you know, the jubilee year of God's, the releasing of debts and all of that. So Jesus is saying, it's in me, and I'm going to pass it on to you. And so what you hear on the day of the Acts of the Apostles, you know, Jesus told the apostles, wait, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And what that is, is Jesus at the right hand of the Father, when Peter preaches in Acts 2, he said, the Holy Spirit's being poured out. People are experiencing its power, its presence. And the reason it's happening is because Jesus, the one you killed, God raised. He's now at the right hand of God the Father in glory. He's Lord in Christ, and he's calling you now to repent, to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then come into the people of God. And he also says, I think, flee the wrath to come. There he says, so we were sealed. So we got the promise of the Holy Spirit, the down payment. All this reality, it's at work in us. He's at work in us. There's a new power in us to live a different way of life. Verse 14, who is the guarantee that is the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. What's our inheritance? The kingdom of God. All that belongs to the firstborn. All that belongs to Jesus, who's the King and Lord of all creation. We're going to participate. We get to inherit it. We share in it. And again, as St. Peter said, we become partakers of the divine nature. That's a line that's really worth meditating on and asking the Holy Spirit, what does that mean for me? What does that look like, Lord? Help me understand. The saints got a glimpse of it. And they said, you know, it's totally worth it. Giving up everything. Go for it. You know, that's why the Lord gave us these saints in history to help us. Here's a quick example, again, from the Franciscans, you know, St. Francis and the brothers. And one of the brothers, uh, Bernard, would he'd go out and periodically at night, they'd go and they'd pray all night long. They'd be with Francis and they would pray together. Sometimes they would just be alone in the woods, you know, separated from each other. And they'd have these incredible encounters with God. And one morning, I think it was Bernard. They came back and some of the brothers were still sleeping and he runs in and he, he shouts, you know, there's exclamation points. And this is taken from the little flowers of St. Francis he said, brothers, brothers, there's no man anywhere, no matter how great, no matter how much he was promised in riches, who wouldn't happily carry a bag of dung to win this amazing treasure. What's he saying? You see, he sounds mad, like, like he's a madman, you know? He's so heavy saying, look, the richest man in the world 
who's sitting on his throne. He's got everybody in the, you know, coming to him and he's got all the money and gold you'd ever want. If he saw what we had and he knew he could have it, he'd give up everything he's got to have what we have. And that's from the mouth of a man who, you know, is barefoot, wears a rag around him, probably just has a few pieces of bread and things to eat during the day, not much. Sometimes they're freezing cold, you know, it gets cold in Italy and parts of Italy where they were. And here he is again, just, just imagine. And he's full of joy. It's the beginning of the day and he's shouting and he's waking up his brothers. There's no man anywhere, no matter how great, no matter how much he was promised in riches, who wouldn't happily carry a bag of dung to win this amazing treasure. What does he mean? He'd be willing in order to get it, this great king who's so proud and so recognized. If you said, well, the, re- the thing you got to do is you got to take a big bag of cow manure and you have to walk through town and you're going to look like a fool. But, you know, if you do that and at the end of the road, you'll inherit what we have. He said he would do it in a moment. He would do it in a split second. Because Bernard understood the glory he'd been given a share of. He understood about the down payment, the inheritance that was within him. And the inheritance gives us confidence. And the passage ends this way. The inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. The full possession of the kingdom is coming in our destiny. Brothers and sisters, that is meant to lift our hearts now. It really is. But if we don't hardly ever think about it, we don't go deeper into this, the power it it gives us and the Lord intends it to be for us, we never touch it. And Christianity becomes dull, boring, a drudgery, and a road we don't feel like we can travel. Let's turn toward this wisdom and walk in it. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Each program of Fire on the Earth with Peter Herbeck can be downloaded at AveMariaRadio.net and RenewalMinistries.net. Fire on the Earth is a production of Ave Maria Radio. Friends, I'd like to offer you my new booklet, Receiving Fire. Jesus said, I have come to cast fire on the earth. Would that it were already ablaze. That fire is the purifying love that burns in the heart of Jesus. A fire of grace for those who receive it, but a fire of judgment for those who refuse it. If you'd like a copy of this free booklet, call 1-800-282-4789 or contact us on the web at renewalministries.net slash FOE. That's renewalministries.net slash FOE.